Hello, everyone. We have a very special guest here today, a renowned poet, essayist, author, editor, and translator. So let us welcome Sophia Naz, ma'am, to the Clippers interview series. Hello, ma'am. Hi. It's no need to call me ma'am. It's all fine. Sophia is fine. It's a pleasure to meet you and have you here on our show. It's a pleasure to be here. I have some questions for you today. So, Go ahead. So let me proceed with my first question. Ma'am, what made you move into the world of poetry? Ah, when I was six years old, um, I was separated uh, from my father and I was sad and that sadness drove me to poetry. And there was a very big tree. We lived in... Um, a kind of place uh, for uh, families of prisoners of war. And uh, it was called the Services Club. And I, uh, there was a very large banyan tree and I used to climb the branches of this tree and it made me feel warm and, uh, and protected and safe inside that tree. And from that tree, I used to watch uh, everything. Nobody could see me, but I could see everybody. And I liked doing that. I liked uh, climbing up the tree. And pretty soon I had an older brother who made me, uh, made both of us a kind of simple tree house. And I used to remember that uh, my mother used to bring rusks and uh, mango squash and we used to just take them all up in the tree and I started writing because of sadness and because the tree gave me a unique perspective onto the world outside it changed your perspective because when you are little you only see the world from your height but when you climb up a tree you can change the perspective that you see everything from and that unique perspective inspired me to write. And uh, I just, uh, it grew into uh, something that made me happy. And it allowed me to express myself. I was very shy as a girl. I didn't really uh, talk very much to people, but I talked through my writing. Ma'am, the biography you have written about your mother has been on our book list since its release in 2019. There has been a question of how it came to your mind of retelling her history of in the 21st century among the new generation. Well, uh, my mother's life was very, very difficult in the sense that uh, after she divorced and uh, remarried, she, she remarried my father and that marriage was happy, but she always suffered because of the separation from her children. But in her new life, uh, she never talked to anybody about what had gone past. All her suffering was kind of buried. And I feel that it happens to many women who have gone through suffering, but they don't talk about it. 
and it's a kind of culture of silence you take everything and you just don't talk at least publicly about it and so i felt that it was very important to tell her story because all these stories are kind of suppressed and uh, silenced and i feel that in the 21st century where we have me too uh these kind of stories where women are abused and suffer in silence should not be allowed to continue anymore and as you know today is international women's day at least i think in india it is already march 8 it's a very important day in which we must tell the stories uh that as women that have been suppressed that have been silenced so this was the reason the main reason why i told the story of my mother is because it didn't want uh all the suffering that she's gone to to be unacknowledged i you know these are important stories women's stories yes sir ma'am did you ever think that literature would take you this far well uh i don't know that it has taken me that far it has uh I don't think of it as uh, I've come very far. I think of it as something that I learn every day. Every day is a, the first day of the rest of your life, and every day you want to do something that uh, will express yourself and also uh, try to do something fresh with language. So I'm always looking for that. How do I express myself? in a way that is unique and that involves people and uh makes people read and makes people want to read more want to know about more about language i i'd like uh you know writing is a solitary act yes, but when people read it then that uh it comes alive again its first birth is when you give it uh form on paper or whatever form you give it to electronic media but the second life of uh, any writing is when young people like you are or people and then it comes alive again so uh it's a very interesting life that of a writer it is both solitary and communal in a in a way then what are your future plans for your poetry So I have a new collection of poems that is coming out uh, in 2021. This is called Open Zero, and Open Zero is uh, my meditation on life. And these are poems that uh, were written after I lost my home to wildfires in 2017, and after that happened. Uh, loss of material is is a huge loss but it also makes you think it makes for pretty good poetry in my opinion because it it when something is taken away it it allows you to think about what was there and what is the meaning of all of this and how we can um transcend the loss of material and ultimately we transcend the loss of material by what is inside us you know what is inside us is beyond uh we can create again that's the most beautiful thing about art is 
something that is material is gone, but you can always create. And the very loss is a kind of impetus for this creation. So the book Open Zero is a meditation about my poet, the loss that happened, but also about the planet and where it's going with environmental destruction because my home was lost in wildfires directly due to climate change. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of meditation, a lot of uh, grief and a lot of um, thinking about what, where we're going as, as people and as the planet and, you know, so from the personal loss to collective loss and, you know, memory and transcendence, hopefully <laughs> there's a lot in there. Man, what message do you want to convey to the upcoming authors and poets? I think that first of all, um, one must cultivate a habit of writing. Whatever it is, you know, you if you make it a habit, there's writing is a craft just like anything else. The more you practice it, just like you practice music, you do riyas for music, you need to do riyas for writing. You need to get, I personally would advise you to stay away from the screen and take a pencil and paper or any kind of a very cheap notebook. You know, if you buy a fancy notebook, step number one, don't buy a fancy notebook. So buy the cheapest notebook you can. Then where you will not feel bad about writing anything in it. So, and then if you can walk, I know it's hard in the pandemic, you know, you're stuck, but if you can take a walk or even a short walk anywhere, or even if you are stuck, you can look outside the window. So you must uh, get into the habit of doing a, like a continuous, like a, there is a notebook in which you put some thoughts in it every day. And then later on, you can go back into it and you'll find that some of those ideas made sense to you later on. And you can go on and add to this collection of your thoughts every day. So if you practice every day, you will definitely uh, improve your craft. Secondly, I'd say read, read and more reading. So it is like anything else. Uh, the people who wrote very well, you should read their writing. Whatever it is, try to read as much as you can. Uh, I'm a real fan, uh, wherever I can get them, of physical books because um, this is a personal preference because I think that it, when you are reading on your phone or computer or some other device, there is constantly, there is some kind of distraction so I prefer reading an actual book, taking myself away from the distraction and reading. Sometimes, you know, uh, you whatever you write, the other part is you should read it out aloud. Supposing you wrote a poem or a passage or something, read it out aloud because, you know, writing is communication. And when you read it, and if it's, Sometimes something looks good on paper, but when you read it, it sounds 
not so good. So advice, especially, especially for poetry, but for any writing is read it out aloud. Uh, and then, you know, if you want to, you can seek out some other people who write, you know, find out, do you have any friends? Show them, so show each other your writing. Um, or if you have a mentor, that's fantastic. I've, I'm lucky to have uh, some people that I were, you know, mentors to me at a very early age. So if you can find and seek out people who are, you know, you can show your work to, you know, it's not a must, but it helps. All of it helps. Ma'am, how was the beginning of your journey as an editor and an author? So, as a, an author, I, uh, early years, uh, I had publishing success. I published at the age of 11. Then I didn't write for, uh, like, didn't publish for a long time. I started publishing again. Uh, in 1999 and that was in a magazine online called monsoon and then from there i started uh, regularly like submitting and publishing and uh, started like uh, in online journals and anthologies and uh, i would say in 2015 is when I published my first book and edit, editing I started basically also around uh, maybe 2016, just uh, not that long ago, maybe five, six years ago, uh, I started uh, editing a, a, a journal called City. It's, it was a quarterly. Yes. So we brought out about six, seven issues of that. And then recently I have done some editing in the latest issue of uh, Poetry at Sangam. And uh, I've also done some essays uh, that I wrote for Scroll and for some other publications. So it's been a little bit of everything. Um, yes, I think it just, the more you do it, the, the, the more work that you do and the more effort that you do put into it, the more it uh, gives you a reward of uh, sending your stuff. That's the other thing I forgot to mention. Do send your stuff out there. Once you have uh, written something, send it, send it, send it. And most likely your early effort will get rejected, but don't lose heart because even the most famous writers, their writing got rejected in the beginning. True, ma'am. Ma'am, what is the difference you find in literature back then in the 80s and 90s between literature in the 21st century now? I don't think that good literature is that affected by time. There may be a difference between uh current terminology obviously we have cell phones now we don't have a rotary phone we have we have different your um, how should i say your sociological landscape has changed in terms of the way we interact with each other now we talk about getting on the Zoom call and, and uh, you know, email, text messages, Snapchat, whatever it is. 
Um, but I don't think that fundamentally good literature has changed because you can still read Jane Austen and you can still read all the classics and you can still read even the classics in, you know, in Indian and Hindi and all the regional languages, Urdu literature, that it's timeless. Good literature is timeless. It, the subject matter or the landscape may change, uh, but uh, I don't think that uh, fundamentally it, it changes. What may change now with uh, more uh, awareness of Me Too and the women's movement is that as far as women's writing, it's gotten more, uh, there's more candor and there's more um, exposure of areas that were once not talked about so much or not written about by women. So in that sense, I think it's a little bit different, but you know, the, the qualities of good literature are, I think, in a certain sense, timeless. Thank you for the questions, ma'am. It was a very good- Oh, you're so welcome. It was great to talk to you. Such lovely questions. I'm honored to talk with you here today. My pleasure. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. We'll meet you soon. Okay.